Hi everyone, welcome to this week's bonus compilation episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, some of the best bits that I couldn't quite fit in the edit of all the shows that we've done over the last three or four months. Yes, this is an extra special treat for all of you because you've listened so loyally for so long. You're getting this episode and you're getting it with no adverts. We're not going to ask you to order home-delivered meals or delicious international beer or clothes perfectly sculpted to your figure. (laughs) Anna, this is now an advert. It's ridiculous. Oh God, I've turned it into an advert. I can't help it. Well, there is one thing we are actually going to ask people to do because this bonus episode comes with one little tiny string attached to it and that's that it is for charity. This is raising money, this episode, for a charity called the Care Workers Charity. We'll be telling you a bit more about them in a bit but it's a fantastic and very worthy cause and so your listening is being co-opted in the name of that cause. That's right. This episode is absolutely free. It is completely free. You don't have to donate if you don't want to. But if you do have a few quid to spare, we would really, really appreciate it. Just to stress how really important it is that we're all giving money to charity at the moment, it's obviously a time when a lot of charities need huge amounts of money uh, because of COVID. And it's coinciding with a time where people are not giving money to charity. So the charity sector has lost billions and billions of pounds over the last few months because of COVID because people are just really struggling. And so there's no more vital time to be able to donate any money that you you can spare all you have to do is go to qi.com slash donate or justgiving.com slash n-s-t-a-a-f and either one will take you to the place you need okay on with the podcast Um, sorry, just um, on ancient sausages. Mm. Um, <laughs> I was looking at who invented the hot dog, uh, which is quite hard to find. Um, but I was I found where the first sausages were supposedly invented, and this is an article from BBC History, and they said that the Emperor Nero had a cock called Gaius. And um, in Roman times, you would starve your pigs for one week before you slaughtered them. But Gaius was watching over his kitchen and realised that one of his pigs had not been properly cleaned. So he stuck a knife into the belly of the pig to see if the roast was edible and out popped an intestine. Okay, and because the pig had been starved, it had puffed up because of the heat. And Gaius explained, I have discovered something of great importance. And it was the sausage. Wow. Cool. (laughs) It's a great story, eh? You don't, was... believe, don't believe that story. Well, no, it's, it's history. BBC history. <laughs> BBC history, mate. Mm. Well, that no, but the... it's, it's an account. Well, who made up the account? <laughs> uh, I think it's... I don't know who wrote it. Who wrote about Nero Deo Cassio or someone like that? Ooh. Oh, yeah, maybe. Probably. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So that was... Because they, they did have sausages, didn't they? They did have sausages, yeah. the Romans, yeah. yeah. Who's to think it hasn't come from this great Fair discovery yeah. of great yeah. importance? Yeah. And when you do discover something like that, you're going to write about it. It seems weird to us these days. Why would you write about the first sausage? Back then, that's like the iPod coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Nero's on stage at the forum. <laughs> Turtleneck, the eye sausage. <laughs> one. <laughs> um, one group who are interested in earthworms is the ERG. The European Research Group, the Brexity Jacob Rees Moggy Group. Group. Uh, No, it's the Earthworm Research Group. (laughs) (laughs) Who 
who work in Britain. They're one of the main groups of earthworm researchers in the country. And ironically, considering they have the same name as the ERG Brexiters, um, they mostly deal with overseas projects with people like Finland, France, Ireland, Italy, Poland, and Spain. Wow. Mm. So for them, Brexit is really bad. This ERG. Yeah. Wow. So is this like an ERG versus ERG debate right now. I want to see that fight. Yeah. <laughs> Between Jacob Rees-Mogg and this head of the Earthworm Research Group. <laughs> I'd back anyone who's on the other end against <laughs> Jacob Rees-Mogg, although he does have that cane a lot of the time. Because um, he's a pimp. Pimps have canes. I don't think he carries a cane, does he? He's not a, carry a, cane. He's not not a Victorian headmaster. I, I think I'm accidentally thinking of a caricature of a Victorian gentleman because that's how people portray yeah. him, aren't I? Or, or you're yeah. thinking of Where's Wally, or who the, he the does fact, have a similar look to, yes. barring, barring the clothes. <laughs> yeah. Well, those glasses. Have a cane? Those glasses. Yeah, he has a cane. He walks around with a cane. Yeah, he does. It's a walking stick, but yeah. That's a cane. Yeah. Does he have a. Is it, why does Where's Wally have a cane? He's walking a lot. Yeah, because he has to get to all the different parts of the page. Yeah, <laughs> it's a walking stick, like someone up a mountain, not someone who. Oh, okay. Has to yeah, not take a cane for an old, uh, an old person, for example. No, no. Okay. Because he's middle aged. Or I, where's might... Wally? Young to middle aged. I think fact. young. I mean, I am quite old. It's, but... a, it's a young man's game. <laughs> <laughs> Wally. <laughs> There was a place that I read about which was called Loudoun County. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's in America. And um, supposedly, so it's in Virginia, supposedly 70% of the world's online traffic passes through this one county. What? Yeah, and so they no have all way. the storage units there and so on. Yeah, this was um, this was a, uh, an article that I was reading. Um, so it's the largest concentration, this article says, of computing power. Um, and according to Greenpeace uh, in 2017, 1% of the electricity company that runs all of the electricity in this one place, yeah. um, only 1% of it is renewable sources. So it's the it's Whoa. incredibly unhealthy. So if we're talking about online carbon footprint... If I go to this town, can I find everyone's emails? Is that yeah. what you're saying to me? But they're wishing through so <laughs> fast. You, you need a net. Yeah. Oh, you need a net. Yeah. Is that what the net is? Yeah, that's what the net is. Isn't <laughs> it? Have you heard of eel houses? No, uh, cool. no. There are two of these things in the UK, two only, and it's where you build a house over a river and you have sluice gates which are designed to trap eels. So they're built in the Middle Ages. Ah. And you can and you just, you know, trap all the eels as they head down the river once they feel the call. They're quite good at getting past obstacles, aren't they? they so, are. you know, you've got to build a good gate. So they're really good at um slithering along the ground and they yeah. can climb up dams and climb over them and stuff like that. And I think people when when eels get obstructed by slightly too big dams, if you've got like a hoover situation, then people have <laughs> built little eel ladders so you can knit together reeds and stuff and they can climb up those. Wow, that's amazing. very like snakes and ladders isn't it eels and ladders, yeah. Eels and ladders. Yeah. the snakes are climbing the ladders oh my god the game has changed <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the uh, cartoon Cars the other day you know the Pixar yep. mm. so they're NASCAR cars in yep. Cars and one of the things is that he goes into the wild and he gets lost at night because he doesn't have headlights and I thought oh okay that's interesting and I was reading into this so NASCARs don't have headlights for their cars mm -hmm. but oh. when you look at them they do right they're uh, stickers the headlights that you see on a NASCAR are stickers 
that are just put on there to look like they have real headlights. How do they light up? I, d- I don't think they... Well, there's new technology where they do actually just have little beams that come out, but they don't need... Yeah. I mean, not that is a, that's a headlight. No, but still the sticker. So it's still... Right. Yeah, it, it's not it, a functioning oh. headlight. Why Why do they... Because presumably the races are at daytime or they're floodlit if they're later on in the day, so they don't need headlights to yeah. function in the race. Exactly, but yeah. Why? So why do they do it? It's yeah. all to do with the manufacturers. In getting it past, they need the shape of the body to have the headlight spot. Um, wow. So apparently it's to do with stock, but then they're not functional, so they just put stickers over the top. Well, Otherwise, it wouldn't be identified as a car or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I just check? In the film Cars, when the car goes into the wild, presumably he goes into the wild to the extent that there are well tarmac surfaces in the wild. Yes. Okay, fine. So he, on, he just stays on roads, does he? He stays on roads. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, he, go, he goes into the Wild West of America. Oh, okay. He goes off track. He goes, yeah. Oh. But not literally off track. He goes literally off track in the sense of he goes on races in the sort of the dirty outback. Okay. But there's yeah. always a track there. No? Yeah, sometimes, but he goes oh. off the track. The Got dirty it. outback is a horrible phrase. <laughs> Can we just log that? <laughs> Which part of yourself are you referring to? <laughs> um, the world record for cycling backwards uh, is 333 kilometers in a day. Uh, and this is done by an Australian guy called Hellinga. And he sits on top of his handlebars and yeah. faces backwards and then cycles mm. for- forward. He cycles. the The bike is going forward, yeah. but he's facing backwards. Yes, and he's Why sitting on his that? handlebars. Oh, whoa! Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. He cool. said, "I first started riding backwards when I was a teenager to impress the girls." <laughs> he's still single. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies. Yeah. Wait, he's that's, married. He's married. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. That's so impressive. I mean, where where was he doing this? Was it on roads? Uh, it was in ro- on roads. Yeah. Was it on the island of Rhodes? <laughs> it was in Australia okay. on Rhodes. Oh, uh, okay. Because they've got a lot of, I guess, quite quiet roads. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, yeah. Of, yeah. lot of long roads. Yeah. <laughs> Dirty back passages. Dirty. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know you can make pie out of hot dogs? And do you want to know the recipe? Do you just, do you make the pastry and then put the whole hot dog in? Do you yeah. put the bread in the pastry? No, this is... I'm, I'm going to tell you the recipe and tell me when you know what joke I'm making. Oh, um, so the recipe is uh, you drop frozen hot dogs onto a grid uh, where the lines are further apart in length than the length of the hot dog. So that, you know, none of the lines are closer together than the length of the hot dog. Hi, I've got it. He's got it. It's James Harkin for the win. <laughs> what uh, am I doing? It's, you're working out the mathematical number pi. It's the mathematical number pi. Oh. If you don't want to do it the normal way, which is remembering that it's 3.14, like we all know, <laughs> you can. You do this. So the, it's really cool. So you basically toss a bunch of hot dogs, let's say 100 hot dogs, um, onto this grid. And then you multiply the dog length by the number of dogs tossed. And then you times that by two. So that's on the top of the equation. Right. And then you divide that by the distance between the lines and the number of dogs that have crossed over the lines. And okay. then you will get the answer to what pi is. That's how it was originally worked out as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, yeah. <laughs> it was Aristosthenes, wasn't it? <laughs> he had a load of hot dogs. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He had cholesterol issues, but he was a great mathematician. <laughs> um, people do know why I don't. Because uh, I had yeah. limited time. But I still think that's really cool. Yeah. I found something out this weekend that was spooky. You know, Andy Murray, the tennis player. Yeah. The objectively much more famous Andy Murray. <laughs> I found out. <laughs> so I found out that he and I, as children, both owned hamsters called Whiskey. <gasps> really? Yeah. No. Really? That's an amazing fact. That is weird, isn't it? 
That was incredibly weird. Were you playing tennis before you knew he played tennis? Um, well, yeah, as, at school, yeah. But, but not like, not as a weekend kind of, you had training and stuff. No, no, no. Okay. I'm just, uh, that would have been a connection as well. You I can't discount the tennis. tennis. I do yeah. play tennis. You play tennis. You play tennis. You play tennis. The fact that you won six. that's a slam. The fact that you won six one does not mean I do not play tennis. It just means. <laughs> I just think it's playing it pretty fast and loose with the word play. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there was just um, a hamster salesman going around? <laughs> with not very good imagination for names. Well, uh, you don't. You name your own hamster. You don't have the pet shop owner name your hamster for you when they you sell know. it. We don't know that though. We don't know that he no, wasn't very didn't. subtly brilliant. You what? didn't name. Whiskey I went hamster. to Big Larry's Hamster Emporium in Glasgow and uh... in Dunblane. <laughs> <laughs> You were told, here's Whiskey the Hamster. Of course and his I was Of course whiskey, I named whiskey, it whiskey. Myself. Why did you right. call it Whiskey? Because uh, at that age, you probably weren't drinking Whiskey. Uh, well, funny thing. Uh, no, it was because of the colour. Ah. Uh, yeah, it was Whiskey coloured. Okay. Yeah, yeah and it's nice. not my password for anything online, guys. So nice try. <laughs> <laughs> um, the word Alcatraz means gannet in Spanish. Uh, but when the island was named in 1775, it actually meant pelicans. Uh, and but the Spanish word for pelicans, Alcatraz, actually came from the Ara- Arabic word for sea eagle. Oh my god, oh. I'm so confused. Uh, <laughs> but basically, the birdman of Alcatraz is correct. Not really, because there weren't any birds there. He was the birdman of another prison. They just gave him that name. They kept the first bit of his name when he got there. I thought he kept birds in Alcatraz. No, he kept no. birds in the previous prison. They didn't have birds for him on Alcatraz. You would have thought, it sounds like there are a lot of birds on Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, I'm, can we go back to this? The Spanish changed the meaning of their word for pelican to mean gannet. Yeah. When was this law passed? Sometime, it wasn't a law. <laughs> but it was sometime between... I, I'm saying it's not a law. Wow. For all I know, it was a law, but it was sometime between 1775 and the, the modern day. Just imagine if, if we go... woke up tomorrow and someone was like, you know, eagle, that yeah. now refers to a magpie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you um, know that there are seaweed bladders? So some, so there are three bits of a seaweed plant. There's the holdfast, which is basically the root, and then there's the stipe, which is the stem, and then there are the blades. So it's very all analogous to a uh, land plant. But some of them have these air-filled bladders, and the purpose is mm. to hold them upright so they get more sunlight. Which yeah, I didn't cool. know, but the the really big ones they can get up to six inches wide. These bladders, which I looked it up, is as wide as a human bladder. Is it? Yeah. And are they looking <laughs> into potential hu- transplants? <laughs> <laughs> that's a human bladder of full stretch. Wow. Your bladder doesn't get much bigger than that. Wow. Bladders cool. don't get bigger than this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they had the first cars, they were all hand painted. And the paint wasn't very good. And so after every year, all the paint will flake off your car. And so you had to take it back and get it repainted every single year. And it would take about 40 days to complete painting the whole car. 40 days? days. No, that is a garage ripping you off. (laughs) (laughs) Because you had to paint it by hand, but then you had to let it dry and do another coat. And it took ages for the cars to dry. Oh wow, God, that's so funny! Isn't that amazing? Get a, was this because this they had electricity at this point? You could get a hairdryer or something, couldn't you? Yeah, I you suppose you could. Yeah, no, you probably could. Well, you know, when you go through a car wash, they dry it at the end, don't they? Yeah, but you'd wash off the paint in the process of getting to the dryer. <laughs> oh God, that would be awful! You'd have to do it all over again. <laughs> like, that's why it took forty days. On the 39th ninth, they're like, hang on, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you don't get a lot of flummery these days. Flummery. Have you noticed that? 
Yeah, yeah you know, flummery, the no. old school jelly. So again, in the olden days, there was just a greater variety of jelly. They were like apples. <laughs> it was before, you know, we went mass market. I always thought it was like blancmange flummery, is it? Oh, it is. Is well, it? Well, is, jelly. is jelly, really, mm. isn't it? Um, and so flummery was extremely popular, 17th to 19th century. So it's made by apparently steeping oatmeal in water overnight and then boiling the strained thing you've got in the morning wow. and you add sugar and it eventually turns into a kind of wobbly thing. <laughs> and if you're wealthy, you had to have a huge array of flummery moulds because they'd present flummery in different shapes on their tables. And so, and it was really popular to have flummery disguised as proper food. So flummery eggs and bacon was quite a common thing. So there are lots of, you know, moulds where you'd look like you were about to eat eggs and bacon. Classic. And then you'd bite into it. <laughs> and it's flummery. It's flummery. It's the best word it's I've heard in a long word. time. It's a great word. Isn't it? And I wonder if that's where flummery comes from. You know when you'd say someone's like flummery it's sort of false flattery I think so it must be but I wonder oh, if that it comes from oh. the fact that it's false because flummery often disguised itself yes. as oh. these ah. different delicious foods um, have you guys heard of frozen dead guy days no. Uh, no no doesn't sound like a thing it's a real thing this is an annual celebration that's held in the town of Nederland Colorado and it's basically in, in 1989 this is where the story begins a, a man passed away he was Norwegian and his grandson brought him over to America to have him frozen and so they had him on ice they brought him over and after a few years they moved to Nederland and they built along with his mother this big in their house basically a shed that could just keep him going and keep him frozen wow. um, and and then the son got deported, the grandson got deported, so the mum had to look after it. And the authorities saw what was going on in the house, and she didn't have a few things like electricity and so on, and it was a bit illegal. And they how, discovered how was she, how was she keeping <laughs> a full cryonics chamber <laughs> going. She had one bit of electricity for that bit, but not for the rest of the house. Anyway, her house. <laughs> I'm just going to turn the TV on. No! <laughs> Okay, you can turn the TV on for a bit, but once his ankles have thawed out, we have to put it back on. <laughs> but basically, the house was in violation of local laws of what you need a house to be. Yeah, no so she was, <laughs> was going to be kicked out. And then they discovered that she was keeping her father frozen in the back. And they said, hang on, this is very illegal. Um, so they wanted to get him out. And as a result, it had a lot of hoo-ha from the community saying, no, we can't have him thawed out. He'll die. This is They want to keep him going. So it worked out in their favor. And this man is still there. They, he's been moved to a different bit of the town but as a result they celebrate every year frozen dead guy day and it's it's a thing the last one was in 2019 that they had it they have um look-alike contests they have um they have <laughs> getting less and less flattering presumably <laughs> <laughs> They have coffin races, and this is a thing where they build a fake coffin. There's an obstacle course, and they carry a t it's teams of seven, and one of the seven is in the coffin, and they have to race around. Um, they have frozen T-shirt competitions. It's a very cold area, this place. Um, they have ice cream that's made specifically for it, which has crushed Oreos and sour gummy worms inside. That's mm, a, bit, wow. a bit yummy. Bits um, of cool. Yeah, and it's been going on for all these years. So the last one was held March 8th to 10th, 2019, and wow. it looks as if they're going to keep going. It must so be soon. When you're listening to this, podcast you might have just missed it yeah exactly okay. wow i mean do you think there's any moment where she's gonna think is this slightly tasteless what i've done here <laughs> if and obviously it's the biggest if ever if he wakes up <laughs> at some point he will be a local hero yeah oh, imagine that day that's, that's gonna be so film. exciting yeah. Yeah. yeah but he's gonna wake up having passed away in norway Oh, he's yeah. going to wake up in Colorado with a language he probably doesn't speak <laughs> with all these guys serving him ice creams. Like, <laughs> it's going to be weird. Um, do you want to know some Orkney language? Okay. Yeah. Teach you some. Um, 
boys oh boys means unbelievable boys oh boys boys oh boys b-e-u-y-s so i think it's boys okay um to dilda uh means to walk around aimlessly and slowly Oh, yeah. I think is a nice word that we can all take. Yeah. Just Dilder. dildering around. <laughs> uh, and my favorite one is beer. The word beer means to complain or moan, which means it also means to whine. So the word beer means wine. Oh, <laughs> very nice. Extremely yeah. confusing in the plethora of pubs I'm sure they have. <laughs> So uh, grizzly bears um, can do one thing that I can't do, uh, and that is use a comb. Um, they have oh. been found using the comb, using a comb, the only other species other than humans to do so. Cool. What? Uh, this Who's was, making their combs? Well, they have natural. bear peddlers going round their dens. <laughs> <laughs> this was in the Glacier Bay National Park in Alaska, and they um, there was someone called Volker Decker um, from the University of St Andrews, and. Um, Volker found this um, grizzly bear picking up a rock from the water, Mm. looking at it, sort of turning it over, putting it back, picking another one up, looking at that one, and then with that, sort of combing his fur with it around his muzzle. And then he would put it down and he would pick it up and do it again. And then Volker went to have a look at these rocks and found that they had barnacles on them and worked out that what the um, bear was doing was looking for the right one. And the fact that he picked up the first one and then threw it away again means that he can discriminate between what's a good comb and what's a bad Mm. comb, which basically shows that he understands the fact that it's a tool. Amazing. That's so cool. Isn't that amazing? I don't think of any rocks as being a good comb. Do they have have sort of prongs on them it's these kind, rocks well they have barnacles on them yeah okay no that, that does yeah it'll that do the, sort of it'll do. do the yeah, job you're a job. bear you're a bear you don't care yeah. <laughs> right. what, you've got a do. meeting to be smart at or something it is legal to eat a dog yeah yes if not in all countries true but in this country in the uk and in the usa in 44 states of the usa and here you probably can't sell dog meat can you you can't sell it but if it's your dog and you kill it humanely you can do it yeah, uh, people often associate South Korea, don't they, with eating dogs? Mm. And it is there are no legal consequences for selling dog meat in South Korea, um, although it's officially classified as detestable. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of my behaviour is not illegal, but it is clearly detestable. <laughs> there was a survey of worldwide sperm banks um, to see how uh, common various different traits are. And so statistically, if you uh, get sperm from a sperm bank, your donor is most likely to be a Christian accountant with brown hair, brown eyes, and white skin. Mm. Uh, and it's least likely to be a dark-skinned ginger buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not likely to be a 90-foot-tall dwarf. <laughs> so it's least likely to be a dark-skinned ginger buddhist with black eyes. <laughs> <laughs> We'll hunt far and wide for that. <laughs> um, they're very easy to sex, alms, yeah, because uh, they have translucent skin, so you can see their uh, genitals through their skin. Wow. Oh, that's great. What, like, just uh, aerial view, you can see right through to the... Yeah. That's so great. That's amazing. But they do, and the skin, this is so weird, so they're blind, which is, or they're nearly blind. Nearly blind, Which makes yeah. sense, because they live in very, very dark caves most of the time. But for the first four months, they do have eyes, and for the first four months of their life, their eyes are out on the outside, and then gradually skin grows over their eyes, mm-hmm. meaning that it, they find it quite difficult to see. But th- thankfully, they can detect light with their skin, so it's kind of a happy story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird though, isn't it, to have functioning eyes? 
that just get that are then overgrown. Yeah, they're overgrown by the thing that can also see. Yeah, it's weird. It's nuts. What's the point? Yeah, hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is no point, James. Okay? Well, let's not look at this from a religious perspective. <laughs> Stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. Hi, everyone. We'd like to let you know that we are not sponsored by anyone, but we are asking you to donate to the Care Workers Charity. Yes, so the Care Workers Charity is a charity that exists to support care workers who are having a hell of a time right now, as you can imagine. So A, they're very low paid anyway. Over 43% of care workers are paid below the real living wage. And at the moment with COVID, a lot of them are having to take a lot of time off work and losing even that wage. And so the Care Workers Charity is setting up a fund where they're giving grants to people who are really suffering. Yes, lots of care workers have lost their income as a result of the crisis. There are so many care workers in the UK, 2 million of them, and many of those guys are on a low income. So anything that can be done to alleviate that pressure on them at this time is greatly appreciated. That's right. The care workers, they're at the absolute front of the coronavirus crisis at the moment. They're looking after the most vulnerable and the most susceptible people in society. And if there's anything you could do to help, we would really, really appreciate it. And the thing that you can do specifically to help is you can go to qi.com slash donate or justgiving.com slash N-S-T-A-A-F and you'll find the page where you can give money to this fantastic charity in exchange for listening to our weirdo facts. (laughs) That's the deal. Is that a fair deal? Okay, (laughs) on with the weirdo facts. (laughs) And another thing that you could get door to door was HP sauce. That was um, originally only sold door-to-door. No. If you wanted HP sauce in 1905, the only way you could get it was from a door-to-door <laughs> salesman. Uh, it was invented by Edwin Sanson Moore, who had a door-to-door vinegar and pickle company. So you just had to wait. <laughs> you just had to wait. If the door-to-door guy came around yesterday and you suddenly needed it, it's like he won't be back for another three months. If you make a bacon sandwich, you better make it at the right time. <laughs> Did he? I just. That sounds terrifying. The HP sauce man coming down the street with his. Did he have like a backpack full of HP sauce? He just squirt it into your home. (laughs) What you mean, like a milkman does today? (laughs) Why is that where your brain went with that? I don't understand. I'm just picturing him in a in a costume, which is a bottle of HP sauce, (laughs) and then he sort of leans his head forward and squeezes his sides (laughs) and squirts into your house. Disgusting. Disgusting. It's disgusting. No, he didn't do that. No, you've um, had your peddling license revoked. <laughs> you know how you were saying that eleven can mean like a bad car. Mm. Um, you know the Le Mans rally. Yes. Yeah. Have you heard of the Lemon? No. <laughs> no. So this is a real thing. It's in America, and the rules are that you have to drive a car that is valued at less than five hundred dollars. <laughs> so cool. you have to drive a really terrible car. Cool. And um, they, before you turn up, they look at all the cars and they put you into three categories: either shit car really shit car or probably not going to finish the race car Mm. and the prizes are better for the worst cars so you get more dollars if you're driving a really really shit car Uh, and the way that they work it out that you can't cheat is because at the end of the race according to the rules they're allowed to purchase any vehicle for five hundred dollars so if you turn up with a Bugatti or something, right. then they, by law, have to be able to buy it off you for $500. That's and twice in their history, <gasps> they've um, looked at it and gone, you know what, that's worth more than $500. I want to buy it off you. Okay. Mm. 
That's so funny. Isn't that cool? That's great. Is that in America, did you say? It's in America, yeah. And um, there's a load of, I mean, it's a bit silly, but there's a load of rules. So if you kind of break some laws, you might have to get out of your car and run around the track singing, I'm a little teapot. And stuff like that. So it's a bit of a silly thing, but it's kind of cool. Do you have That's to do the gestures cool. as well? I think you do, yes. So you would have to, That's part you? of the song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Does anyone have any more on the Manchineel specifically? Um, well, what I can say is, so the Manchineel belongs to a genus called Euphorbia, uh, and there's a more famous plant that comes from that genus, and that is the poinsettia. Mm-hmm. So it's basically oh, the, the same. Thing. Uh, the Christmas thing, those like red Christmas mm. plants. Uh, and they're also a little bit kind of poisonous. There's a myth that they kill dogs, isn't there, and stuff like that, I think. Oh, but they're okay. not quite that poisonous, but they are quite poisonous. Yeah. Um, and the reason... I find this really interesting. The reason we have poinsettias at Christmas is because there was a family called the Eek family, E-C-K-E. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, And they found a way to make the poinsettia um, bloom in the winter because it's actually a summer plant. Mm. And when they did that, they wanted to sell it, uh, but they didn't know how to do this. And so they sent it to loads of TV studios around Christmas time in the hope that the TV studios who just wanted to put something in the background would put this poinsettia in the background. And it just so happened that this was just when colour television had started. And so all oh. the producers were like, wow, look at this red plant. This is going to cool. show up really well on the new colour TV. And so all of the TV shows around that time started putting poinsettias in their Christmas shows. And then that's why today you might have these in your house at Christmas. That's really cool. Yeah. Isn't mistletoe a bit poisonous as well? Um, yeah. So we're just surrounding ourselves in poisons during yeah. the Christmas period. Yeah. It's exciting. Just don't eat it. Don't <laughs> eat mistletoe. Yeah. And don't eat holly as well. That's going to sting on the way down yeah. and the way out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat the plants. Don't eat my plants. Okay, I get house. it. I get it. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Just eat the food. I uh, actually did this once. So Sorry, which, which um, thing? <laughs> the miniaturization thing. All right. I'll explain better. Um... <laughs> At the end of university, sometimes they take a photo of all of you, you know, in your graduation on your graduation day yeah. in your gowns and things. Yeah. And they, to get you to buy the photo of your whole year at, at university, they send you a tiny, like a, a two inch by three inch photo of mm-hmm. your whole year at university. Um, <laughs> and you can't really see you yourself. You can't see who anyone is, no, yeah. but it's just to encourage you to splash out on the main thing. I just kept the miniature one and framed that. Amazing. So yeah. in my home, I've got a tiny <laughs> photo of my whole year at university. I can't tell where I am. <laughs> wow. You I, funny. Do you have a memory of where you were on the day? No, I don't. Not anymore. No, it's been too no. long. So oh. I'm in there. I'm in there, though. That's the main thing. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you? This is what actually happened. You didn't graduate, and you said to your parents, "Oh, look, I'm in this picture. That's that's me, the, the little blob in the corner." They're wearing the same clothes. You really can't yeah. tell. That's like you're, that's kind of like a caricature of some sort of Dickensian parsimonious, you know, stingy <laughs> bastard. Well, I've if saved, you see that on the wall, I've saved about twenty five pounds by doing that. Thank you very much. And <laughs> ten years later, when I can't see myself in my own graduation, it's worth it. I, I can't ring up now and say, "Have you got that photo?" I'm willing to. Buy, I've decided. I'm willing to buy it. I've made a decision. <laughs> Uh, do you know that before they had bumper stickers so bumper stickers were invented by this guy called Forrest Gill um, and it was in the 50s I think late 50s Um, but before that drivers would have handmade placards that they tie to their cards with pieces of twine so if you wanted to say who you're going to vote for in the election you would just get a placard and tie it to your car 
Isn't that cool? You just tie yeah. a bit of card to your car. Really cool. I can't, I'm trying to figure out where you'd tie it. Maybe onto the sort of roof rack bars if you've got those. I think where your bumper is, maybe. There yeah, were bumpers, it'd be yeah. about the. You would just have a small placard, wouldn't you? The size of a sticker almost. How do you? T- what do you tie it around? Uh, the, the bumper. bumper. <laughs> I'm gonna have to see. A, I forgot what a car looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this amazing tweet by this guy called Frank Pohl, um, who's like a quizzer in the UK. Uh, and he found this Wikipedia article about a movie called OK Connery. Have you heard about this? Oh. So this was like a spoof of James Bond made in Italy. And the way it started is Neil Connery, who is Sean Connery's brother, was working as a plasterer in Scotland. And he was sacked for losing his tools. Okay. <laughs> And then this got into the tabloid is newspapers. This, really, this really happened. This is all real. Oh, okay. I thought you meant they'd made all this up. No, no, okay. no. Oh, so right. this Neil Connery is real. He was working as a plasterer. He lost his tools and he got fired. And so it was in all the newspapers that Sean Connery's brother's just been fired for losing his tools. Yeah. And when um, this guy who was making a movie... <laughs> was it? I mean, that must have been a slow news day. <laughs> And then this, these people in Italy kind of heard about this, and they saw him in interviews on the on the local news, and he sounded just like Sean Connery. And so they thought, why don't we make a movie with Neil Connery, where he's pretending to be James Bond? And they made this movie called OK Connery, which is apparently terrible. Um, which is yeah. But why does it sound incredible? <laughs> and apparently also, um, it was filmed without any live sound. Neil Connery had appendicitis when they were filming it. <laughs> and he was really sick and he couldn't really speak properly. So they and got so- Sean in to dub it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they added all the voices in later in the wow. film. So everyone's lip syncing and they added all the voices later on. And apparently wow. it's one of the worst films ever that made. Sounds, that does sound amazing. It's <laughs> incredible. Um, I was looking on Reddit uh, and there is a bit on Reddit called TIFU, which means today I fucked up. Mm. Hmm. And someone posted TIFU. Um, today I fucked up by putting I voted stickers on my nipples for the sake of getting in my husband's pants. It was painful to remove. Do not do this, no matter how sexy. And <laughs> 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 just goes into a load of details about how they got stuck on her nipples and oh, she couldn't no. remove them no matter what she did. Oh. Um, but it's so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no matter how sexy it is, Anna, you mustn't do it. You've got to do it. Don't worry there. She said, when I... When I pulled on it, my nipple is stretched sideways, almost bringing me to tears. Oh, gosh. Wow. I said, weirdly, the um, thing I remember from a while ago, Reddit, they've never done really any advertising mm. properly, except for one thing, which is they spent $500, and I think this is in the whole history of Reddit, mm. they spent $500 on promotional stickers. Okay. It's the only advertising they've wow. ever done. Okay. Yeah. Well, and put them sort of around yeah, I guess the world. Just, just I guess. on people's nipples. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're still there to this day. So it's very well-spent advertising it's money, true. actually. If you want to get sperm from a bee, it's really difficult, mm. right? Because they're quite small. Mm. They don't yeah. make much sperm. You and know, presumably, if you are trying to force sperm out of a bee, it will try to sting you. It probably will. Yeah, so um, what you do is you pick up your little drone bee mm-hmm. and then you um, squeeze its abdominal muscles to mimic a natural mating event. Okay. Uh, and then the pressure exposes the... Um, Bee's penis. The penis. And the, 
yeah. penis, the yeah. <laughs> and a little speck of semen comes out, wow. and you have to do it loads of times because obviously you need lots, of, <laughs> lots of, yeah. um, lots of semen, right? If you're yeah. going to use it. Um, you don't just want one little speck, you need lots of specs. Um, but the problem is that just like in real life, if a drone has sex, it immediately dies. <gasps> and this is what happens Aww. to these bees as well. They get they they basically go to the sperm donor's bank and never come back. Oh no. Oh, oh, yeah. God. That's a very that's an that's an even worse environment than the normal human donation places if you have to go into a room full of corpses of previous donors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, so is this not what you're into? <laughs> uh, so I, I read a whole thing about sort of toy logistics these days, and it's a nightmare for toy shop owners who, as soon as a craze comes in, they have to basically buy yeah. quick and sell quick, and then they don't know what the next thing's going to be. So you can't stock up. You can't really pre-plan it. So it's um, it's 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 a real pain yeah they have like a toy fair every year don't they or they have a few of them where everyone says this is going to be the next big thing this is going to be the next Mm. big thing but who knows what it's going to be it's quite Mm. quite exciting really yeah Yeah. but it's it's the opposite of what the beanie baby people did oh yeah where you remember they deliberately restricted supply um did they yeah yeah because that was that was our fidget spinner really wasn't it the beanie baby that was our not me no i was too old for that Oh no, you were the spinning top, Same. obviously. But um, the... <laughs> I was the I was the wheel and a stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Used to run down those streets in Lancashire, rolling my wheel. Um, so they basically had loads of Beanie Babies, but they said we're only going to sell this many of them so that they were yeah, more. They or... were just it. She, this toy shop owner. She said that um, normally toy sales reps come into your store and they try and sell you as they say please buy as many units as you can the beanie babies reps would come in and you'd say please i need a beanie baby elephant to sell to my clients and they'd say no and it was really (laughs) it was their way of it was basically like the diamond cartel they were just driving up demand as much as they could and it really worked that's that's ballsy isn't it yeah 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 so clever. It was the early days of kind of using technology to spy on these shopkeepers, basically, because the Beanie Baby makers would keep exact records of precisely what Beanie Babies they'd been selling and how well oh. they'd been doing it. And they would confiscate various Beanie Babies from them if they weren't <gasps> doing it very well. And they wouldn't let big shops like Toys R Us or Walmart stock them because they didn't want to invalidate the brand. And it sounded bizarre. And the only way that you could get them was to call a sales rep and then have a conversation with the sales rep and sort of reveal secrets about what the kids in your shop were saying about what Beanie Babies they liked and stuff so they could get the inside scoop. Wow. It's no wonder you millennials are so fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) There was a 1904 carousel up for auction. Very beautiful. Uh, There was a park in Cleethorpes uh, selling it. Pleasure Island, it was called. And um, there were no bids. And the reserve price was £180,000. Because obviously it's a huge, you know, complicated, beautiful bit of machinery. And then just before bidding closed, there was one bid um, for £180,000. And it it was sold. And the the owners must have thought, oh, thank goodness we've managed to sell this uh, carousel. And it turns out it was from a Lincolnshire man who had been trying to close the window and accidentally <laughs> pressed bid. <laughs> been looking at it, <laughs> and he had legally bought it. No, and he was in, he was in the hole with fees for two hundred and forty-five thousand pounds. Oh no! Is is there no safety net I think for that is. kind well, of? Well, as they point fingers. 
as they pointed out, the bid button is in the middle of the screen, yeah. not the top <laughs> corner where like they hadn't put bid next to the X or anything like that. Um, eventually, they let him off the hook and they did not force him to spend his entire life savings <laughs> on a carousel. Thank I God. think that's fair enough. Given that I get, you know, if I'm on the most irrelevant website and tried to leave it, it'll say, are you sure you want to leave this site? <laughs> I think at the very least, they should have that box pop up. Yeah. Are you sure you want to spend a quarter of a million pounds on another carousel? <laughs> Actually, no. So funny. I was trying to find out how how you fit that many clowns in a car. It turns out it's very simple. You just get a car and you remove everything, literally Mm. everything from it. Um, You know, seats and um, what else is in a car? Ashtray. The steering wheel? Ashtray. I think you keep the steering wheel. You keep one or two things. But then uh, the record... Oh, and you have to fortify the springs as well because it's normally a reasonably small car for comedy purposes. Um, And the record for the number of clowns in a car is 31 in a Citroen 2CV, which is quite a small small. car. Yeah, That is not socially distancing, is it? No, No. (laughs) it's the opposite. Were they children or were they... No, they they were, I believe, human adult clowns. It feels like that's too many. Um, as in, if I had to guess how many clowns you could get in a Citroen, I would have gone way under. Mm. Like, way, way, way under. But that's, well, I think that's why it's a world record. I think... Um... <laughs> no, I do see that, but it's... <laughs> I would have thought that the world record would be just a little bit more than I could possibly imagine, but this yeah. is a lot more than I could possibly imagine. <laughs> Very thin clowns. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys heard of the Great Corn Cob Fire? No. Of, no. Ni- of 1958. Oh, the 1950. Oh, no, no. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this was in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, the Quakers, Quakers, Quaker Oats, the firm, they used corn cobs at the time to get a particular chemical. Um, and they had a stockpile at their plant of 70,000 tons of corn cobs. Okay. Wow. Imagine the size of that. It was six stories high. Um, and people noticed in 1958 oh, the, the pile of corn cobs is really smoldering a lot and it burst into flames it spontaneously combusted because the heat had been generated inside it Mm. and even so this huge massive corn cob fire and even worse as it burned it formed a kind of shell over its surface it kind of crusted over with this (gasps) chemical which could not which reflected the water back onto the firefighters basically (gasps) they had to use bulldozers to crash into this massive pile just to inject the water through this weird (gasps) surface that had formed syringe it through basically yeah i know i want to see the tv you know the tv show chernobyl very good show Mm -hmm. i want to see the sequel which is about this because it seems like it's almost as exciting right corn cobble corn cobble cobble. there you go (laughs) it's good that you showed us you're working for that joke yeah thanks I have a historical use of loofahs, which may have changed the course of the Second World War. Wow. So a loofah was used in the Second World War to convince Churchill of a point. Okay? Mm-hmm. So he was in a boat uh, in 1943. He was sailing to America to discuss war strategy with President Roosevelt, right? And this was in the planning of D-Day. 
And there was one thing they used in D-Day, which were called these Mulberry Harbours. And they basically were large floating platforms that were slightly out at sea. And if you had those out at sea, then in, you know, it, closer to shore, the waters would be calm. So that was incredibly useful for landing troops, because it means you don't have to have choppy waters while you're trying to get troops on shore. So Churchill was in the bath on this ship in the Atlantic... And his scientific advisor, Professor John Bernal, was trying to teach him about these Mulberry Harbours. And he used a loofah as an example. He put some paper boats in Churchill's bath with Churchill in it. And then he stirred the water around and he used the loofah to say, look, this is if we had a giant loofah, this is how we protect our ships. And that was how the loofah helped to win the war, basically. Wow. And that's why at, at D-Day, they also had those massive rubber ducks on either side of it as well. LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> but I would, I would hope, as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, you could have a bath in peace. That people not Churchill. In and no. you. No. Churchill was famous for it, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because now I think it would be like now it's a charming eccentricity to look back on Churchill having a bath and having scientific advice in the bath. But if you if we heard that Boris Johnson or Donald Trump were having meetings in the bath, we would be completely unsurprised. <laughs> um, you know, uh, drafts. Yes. yes. Yeah, drafts. It turns out has been solved. Okay. There is oh. now there is now a there is now no point in playing drafts because there is a correct way to play it. Oh. Mm. And this was worked out by a computer games expert called Jonathan Schaefer at the University of Alberta. Mm-hmm. Uh, he set computers. He set a number of computers playing it at the peak of his work. There were 200 desktop computers, which he had playing drafts full time to work out the combinations <laughs> and how to play. Wow. wow. Imagine how annoying that would be if you were trying to get a computer at the University of Alberta <laughs> and all of Jonathan's 200 machines were playing drafts. <laughs> and it's not like he's saving um, lives, is it? You know, when he explains no. to you why you can't use it. You're trying to solve drafts. <laughs> um, but it turns out that there are... 10 to the 20... Sorry, there are 10 to the power of 20 different positions for the game. Okay. And even if there are fewer than 10 pieces on the board at the end, there are still 39 trillion endgame positions which are possible. So there's quite a lot of numbers to crunch. Yeah, exactly. So you say that it's solved, Andy, but unless you and I are playing and we both have 50 computers telling us what to do each time and we're willing to wait for about six hours between each move, then presumably... (laughs) That's how I play all my games. It's a game of attrition. (laughs) Iwigs do have this really unfortunate... uh, Not Predator, Parasite, really, uh, that I was reading about. And it's... The, I found this out because there's a guy called Ryan Herbison who's a researcher who collected 1,300 earwigs to investigate it, which I, I think it must be so weird. He was just wandering along a beach collecting earwigs, and he's looking out for these things called myrmethids, and they're just one of those parasites that takes over your brain. We've talked about this kind of thing before, oh. but I always find them incredible. So this, so he collected all these earwigs, opened up their brains, and found myrmethids inside lots of them. And what they do is they make them hydrotoxic, as in they make them want to go to water. They want want to go to get wet or they make them act really erratically so they hop around until they see a pond and then jump in it. Huh. And they can't swim, so they immediately drown. Oh. And then that's perfect because this parasite's little babies are aquatic and so then they can swim. Oh, but no. they turn them into water lovers. I just I that's find true. it amazing yeah. that these things exist that control the minds of so many animals. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, that's wicked. They also do this really cool thing where they uh, can stop predators um, from getting a taste for them and their family by once they're when they're being eaten, let's say by a uh, lizard, they vomit inside them as they're being eaten. So they vomit inside the lizard, into the lizard's mouth, and they release a smell which is like rotting flesh, which the lizard hates. Because I, I usually, when I think of animals, I just think they don't, they don't care about the taste of things, right? They just, it's, it's about food. It's all yucky. Like they don't have taste buds, uh, but apparently <laughs> wow, they do. They must have a whole taste series buds. of weird revelations there about your preconceptions, <laughs> but sure. Well, I just think That's a lizard will just eat it? whatever, right? But it, this will actively, once they release this um, this vile-smelling toxic uh, into the mouth of the lizard, the lizard will not only spit them out, but it will spend time afterwards going puh, puh, and trying to wipe away <laughs> this thing from their mouth. And the idea is that I'm not sure if the earwig will survive the one that's been chewed or if that's, I think it's more about passing on the distaste to never want to eat an earwig again for the future mm, lizards uh, yeah. or that one lizard. So sacrificing yourself for the sake of the clan, like Bruce Willis in Armageddon yes, sort of thing. Yes, exactly, yeah. It's a lot. Oh, Anna, awesome. stop spoiling films for James. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't listen, James. I wasn't. Um. I wasn't. <laughs> um, that's wow. That is amazing. Do you? Th- you know, Dan, you um, live with a dog at the moment. No, um, uh, not when- anymore. Oh, really? Because yeah. I was going to say, when you give it dog food, do you just think, fuck it, it'll eat any old shit? Does it have any taste buds? <laughs> I was thinking more like lizards rather than, I don't think like when right. I feed my son, I think, oh, he's young, fuck it, he hasn't got <laughs> taste buds yet. It's more. He's got more. Yeah. Dan, he's got three times as many as you. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'll stop feeding him dog food yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just while we're talking about Spain, Spain obviously has that big Christmas lottery, which is El Gordo, uh, the fat one, and it's the big, big prize. Did you guys read that in 2011? It was one, um, and it's, you know, people win it, um, but this one town in Spain called Sodeto, every single resident there, the 70 households, won this lottery. Um, and the thing is, is that the way they do it is sometimes these towns club together and they buy this big, uh, they buy the one lottery ticket and then they go around to each house and they say, do you want to be a participant in this? So you get a participation ticket. Yeah. So this entire town did it of 70 households, which was over 200 people. They all won the lottery except one guy <gasps> because they forgot to knock on his door. Oh, wow. Surely they shared it with him. They didn't. No, they didn't. No and way. he... Um, he had moved to the town because he was in love with this girl. It didn't work oh, out, no. so he decided to stay. So he was renovating <laughs> in this new place, and the people who went around selling the tickets just didn't think to go and sell him a ticket. So he remembers waking up on the day, and he's a cinematographer. He, he does a lot of filming, and everyone was on the streets running around. He had no idea why. They were in their socks running out of cafes because <laughs> they'd all just heard the news. And he filmed it all. He filmed the joy. But behind that camera is the one man <laughs> who didn't get any of the benefits from that it. That is so um, funny. And they want a huge amount. Like, if you if you paid in lower amounts, the the least that was earned by someone who got some money was around 100,000 American dollars. Holy that was, like, the Lord. lowest on it. Um, so as a result, when the, once the news came out, all of these business people 
descended on the town trying to sell them BMW cars. Business managers came in, and the whole town now, there's people on the way home having to hide as they leave the cafe because they can see that really persistent bank manager sitting in his car <laughs> looking for more residents to sign up. So it's kind of turned into a hellhole for a lot of them. So now. really, the one guy who didn't win is laughing in everyone else's faces because he can just say to those hustlers, mate, I'm the one that didn't win it. I've got nothing for you. Yeah. Um, just one more thing on hangovers. I found a survey uh, by, I think it was a rehab website, about. Of, it was a survey of a thousand drinkers about what they would do to avoid a hangover, like what sacrifices they would make to never have a hangover again. Okay. So I just want to run these past you and see if you'd agree. Um, so a third of people said they would pay more for their drinks if it meant they would never have a hangover. Yeah. Fair? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Depends how much uh, more, but yeah. If you can yeah. afford it. Mm. Um, about a third said they would give up watching sports forever. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> I'm finding the last few weeks quite hard, so um, no. probably wouldn't do that. Okay. It was, it was way more women than men said they would give up watching sports forever. Um, they, so 2% of women said they would give up sex for the rest of their lives. Um, 0% of men said they would give up sex forever to avoid a hangover. Oh, yeah. okay. um, Standard. Some of them get a bit dark, so um, sacrificing a stranger's life, um, 9% of men said yes, 9%. <laughs> <laughs> Giving up a fingertip, 6% of men, 3% of women. Allegedly, 6% of men and 1% of women would kill their pet to avoid hangovers. For the rest of your life. If you've got pet crickets or something, then... That actually is <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't give up cricket, but I would give up crickets. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Do you guys know the first reference to Hair of the Dog? I was really surprised by this. Oh, no. Um, the Bible? It's actually from even pre-Bible. It's 400 BC. And Whoa! It's in a um, recommendation by guy called Antiphanes who was recommending basically homeopathic treatments which is sort of what hair of the dog is it's sort of like a little bit of the thing that makes you ill um, and he says take the hair so this is translated from the Greek and made nice and poetic but take the hair it is well written of the dog by which you're bitten work off one wine with his brother work off one labour with another mm. it works to an extent actually hair of the dog first really? of all it obviously makes you feel better because you're getting a bit drunk again so we all know that kind of works but they think now it works because of something that we've discussed before. Dan, do you remember that fact you had where they cured that guy of alcohol poisoning by feeding him beer? Yes, that's and right. Oh, yeah. It's because of the methanol. So all alcoholic drinks contain tiny amounts of methanol. And they think that might be a large part of what's making you feel bad with a hangover. And if you drink more alcohol, then the ethanol in that actually uh, is, is digested before the methanol. So the methanol stops making you feel bad. So keep it up. <laughs> Okay. Is that what we're saying? Is that our official yeah. advice? That's, um, yeah. Please don't sue me uh, when you get liver failure. Uh, I was looking up some other museums in Croatia. Um, oh, cool. We've spoken cool. before, I think, about the Museum of Broken Relationships. That's quite a famous one. Uh, but I'd never seen this one. It's called Froggy Land, and it's in Split. And this is a collection of 507 stuffed frogs um, that were made by a very, very skilled taxidermist from Croatia called Ferenc Mere. And he used a very clever system where he goes through the animal's mouth rather than cutting it open so you don't end up with any scars on the taxidermied animal. And then he got the frogs and he put them in sort of like settings 
So um, there's one in a blacksmith shop, there's one in a carpenter's shop, there's one in a school, there's some in the circus, like lots of different modes of life just recreated with stuffed frogs. So cool. Wow. <laughs> it's funny because it feels like he might also be a candidate for the Museum of Broken Relationships if he's... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Froggyland. It's um, it gets four point five stars on TripAdvisor. Uh, lots of reviews, <laughs> lots of good reviews. I only read the bad ones, of course. Um, the frogs were very small and not very appealing. Said oh. one person. Another person. This place is an abomination for frog lovers. Don't go here if you love frogs like me. I love frogs. Yeah. <laughs> you should have seen that coming. Surely, if you're a frog lover, going to a place full of dead frogs is what you're going to like. <laughs> And another person said, okay, okay, this guy gave a lot of time and effort to make these frogs, but still, it is weird and creepy. Yeah. (laughs) But then, the people who made the museum replied with Anna's exact point. We don't understand why someone who has that kind of opinion would even decide to come in here. It's like you're doing it deliberately so you can complain, guys. We don't like dead frogs. Don't go to the Dead Frogs Museum. Mm -hmm. Anyway... It's in split. <laughs> do, you th- do you think someone tested the temperature of Cleopatra's milk bath by dipping their elbow into it? Uh, now, that why? is a joke about how you test the temperature of a baby's yeah. m- milk, Got isn't it? it? Oh, oh no, it's, it's how you test a baby's bath water, sorry. Yeah, how do you test the milk, though? Um, it's hard to get your elbow into the bottle, isn't it? Yeah. I think, um, right, do you have it I, yourself? You drip, I think you drip little bits from the bottle on the back of your hand, don't you? Like this. Maybe. I think you just, presumably you just trust that the milk you're producing from your breast is not either boiling hot or freezing cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. I mean, some mothers are like Yellowstone National Park, aren't they? Just firing out 120 degree milk. <laughs> Can be very damaging. <laughs> They had the sacred blades, which, and this is a slight content warning here, sacred obsidian blades, which their kings would use to cut their penises with. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that that so they could bleed them? Yeah. What were they doing? Which bit they cut? They're not cutting the whole thing off, are they? Not they weren't cutting the whole thing off, great news, but they were cutting, I mean, it's all sensitive. It's all sensitive. No, they were just sort of. Well, they did a bit on on their foreskins, yeah, but okay. a bit on other parts. You as know, well. the Victorians had special like mini swords that they used to cut uh, corn off corn on the cobs. It just—I <laughs> don't that. know what made me think of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, it was bleeding, wasn't it? That, as in, they used to sacrifice their blood. So okay. th- this was oh, a ritual okay. thing that they had to do: is they would have to cut their tongues and ears and genitals and stuff, mm, and then crumbs. pour oh. lots of blood out of them to give to the gods. I think I got but then you here. would leave the blade somewhere. And so researchers have found a load of uh, these obsidian blades, and it's very hard to tell which of the blades there were sacrificial because, as they put it, the degree of wear imposed on a blade used only on one occasion to slice open a penis is very little indeed. <laughs> you know, the, the, the knife is much less damaged. Yeah. Uh, so the researchers, again, had to have a go at this, and they studied multiple blades. What? They did no, not... the scientists didn't <laughs> no, cut their didn't... own cocks. <laughs> they, they, they tried it on some chicken instead. They tried oh, okay. other people's cocks. Hey. Um, and, and they studied multiple blades, and they think that is giving them a sign of is which that, blades we use. That for is really purposes. interesting, because like, 
exactly what you're saying. The way you work out how a blade was used is by looking at the dents in it, don't you? Like mm. there was a recent study about some Bronze Age swords about whether they were purely decorative or whether they used in fighting, and they can tell by how they hit each other and how they dent. But if you're only mm. using it for, for one-off the slicing ones. of a penis, then yeah. you're not mm-hmm. going to get that information. Yeah. The wear and tear on the penis is definitely more, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> than, than the knife. <laughs> um, just to go back to their gods, some other fun gods. Oh, yeah. They, oh, yeah. they were quite into flatulence and smelling. Well, so sorry, I think... Anna. Just, um, this is a terrible joke that I'm just about to make. <laughs> And see if we can put it in. Yeah. But you say um, that the the the, da- the damage on the penis is worse, but then of course the penis mightier than the sword. Oh wow! Jesus. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm so glad. That that it? So I'm glad so that I interrupted you for that. I'm glad you got that, that out. Definitely worth it. Uh, it's going in, isn't it? It's no. going in, and I can't wait to hear it. Wow. Than the song. That's We've got our end of section now, so sorry to not hear what you got to say, Anna. Okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, what does Dan usually say here? Oh, it doesn't matter because it's not a normal show. All we <laughs> want to do is remind you that to give some money to the Care Workers Charity, they would really, really appreciate it if you could spare anything, and so would we. And to donate, go to qi.com slash donate or justgiving.com slash n-s-t-a-a-f. Off with the show. I've always wanted to say that. I've never had a chance before. It feels like I can. Now Dan's away. Wow. If that doesn't make you want to donate to this charity, (laughs) I don't know what will. (laughs) 